Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. I'm telling you, trying to mess with my stuff. Kevin Horgan, I love you, buddy. Get her done. (laughs) So good morning. Good morning. Um, You know, it's always better if Pastor Ryan is here, because he's awesome. But we do like for him to get a break every once in a while. And um, just encourage you, tomorrow is his birthday. Um, So, you know, shout out to him on his birthday, 40 years old, which means that I'm getting really old because he is my son-in-law. What's up with that? You know, if he's 40, I must, whoo, I really got some years on me. So I am, that the prayer that Jenny did just really fits right in to where we're going today because I'm sure that there are some of you who are going through stuff right now. Anybody going through stuff? I'm going through stuff. (laughs) I'm going through stuff. I am in the thick of it. I am in the thick of it right now and I'll tell you a little bit more about what I've got going on um, closer to the end of my message. Um, But I'm thinking of Amy, where you were how many years ago? Five years, four years, four years ago, um, you were in the thick of it. (laughs) You were in the thick of it. And you got to a hospital, and you were in the thick of it, and you gave your life to Christ. But you had a process that you still had to go through. And look what you have going on. I just want to cry. Look what you have going on now. She could never have imagined that she would have a full-time job. that she'd be paying all her bills, (laughs) that she would be taking care of herself, and it's just the beauty of what you have going on. And Stacy, I think of you, you know, so many years ago, coming here, having been rejected by a stupid church, you know, (laughs) and all of the love, all of the love that you have now. And she couldn't have imagined in the middle, in the thick of it, in the thick of it, that's right, we're happy that she's here because I can guarantee you there are at least 10 people that are here because Stacy invited them to come. Um, so beautiful. Um, but when she was in the thick of it, you know, it was hard. It was hard to have joy. It was hard to be trusting God. I mean, especially when the church is, was the problem, <laughs> was the rejection, right? You know, so many people have problems and maybe you don't have anything going on right now, but you can probably look back at times when you were in the thick of it and you thought it would never work out and God made a way. God made a way for you. You know, I've been, um, of course, I have to mention that we now have King Charles, right, which is so weird um, to call him King Charles, Um, such a strange thing. And I'm thinking of how long it took for him to get to where he is right now. His mother was, uh, was crowned queen um, at age 25. He is age 73, 73 years old, and finally stepping in to do what he was born for at age 73. How strange is that? How strange is that? But you know what? God knew. God knew when the time was. God knew that when... Charles was age 25. He wasn't ready, right? 
He had a process that he had to go through. We didn't know it would take him that long to get his act together, right? But God knew. God knew that there was a time that at age, he was a philanderer. He was a playboy, you know, at age 25. And really until he settled down with Diana at age 31, you know, he really didn't have his act together and he probably still didn't have his act together. Um, but now is his time. Now is his time, yeah. In Acts 1-7, the word says, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. We don't know. We don't know in what time frame God's gonna work things out. But today, I wanna talk about the fact that he does work things out. He works them out again and again and again and again. And I'll tell you some stories to prove it. My first story is this story. Probably wondering what this weird thing is. Isn't he cool? My hand made him. He's the winky guy. My last name is Winkler. Can you catch that? Can you catch that on the frame or do I need to move it in? Mike? Anyway. Oh, there. We got it up on, on here too. So I was the clerk of courts in Hamilton County and I was running for election. Um, this was 2016. I thought this was, it would be a great idea to make a mascot. Um, this guy was born in 1978. In 1978, a woman created him so that the Winkler name would have a brand, right? Wink. That makes sense. It wasn't until I ran in 2016, 16, somebody said, like, that's creepy. Like, who's... <laughs> I mean, he was born in 1978, and the first time that anybody said he was creepy, or, to my face, right, um, was, that, uh, was in 2016. And they're like, basically, who wants to vote for a politician that has a wink, you know, as their mascot? So, well, I guess it proved true because I lost the election. Wah, wah. Um, but that was hard. It was a hard time. I loved my job. I would have stayed at that job. I would have stayed at that job as the clerk of courts for a long, long time. I would have stayed in that job because I loved the people. I loved serving people. I felt like I was doing God's work. But I lost the election. 53% of the people didn't vote for me. It's okay if you were one of them. I still love you. And in fact, I love you a lot. I love you a lot because I'm now doing what I was made to do. <laughs> I tell you. But that night of the election, when I was in the thick of it, when I was in the thick of it and I knew that I had lost, my heart was broken. My heart was broken and I thought, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do? Um, I didn't know. I didn't have any idea what God had in store for me. But today, I happen to be in business in the real estate business with my daughter Allison and my daughter Andrea, and I love it. I love creating, <laughs> I love creating something for them. And um, you know, I wouldn't go back. But I would not have left that job. <laughs> Had something devastating like losing the election happened, I would have stayed there forever. Kind of like Dusty Rhodes. He's been, 
And I love Dusty Rhodes. I love Dusty Rhodes. He's retiring. Yeah, he's retired. So anyway, um, lost the election. In the thick of it, I just couldn't see. I couldn't see past my own, past my own sorrow. Hmm. In Psalm 147, verse 3, it says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So you're going through something right now, but God will heal you. He heals the brokenhearted. He's going to bind up your wounds. You know, it's funny how you don't see, you don't see how things work out. Uh, a few weeks ago, three weeks ago, I was driving to church. I was going to be working up in the tech booth, and... I'm driving to church and I started to think about a young man who I had hired um, when I was the clerk of courts and I basically recruited him. I'm like, you need to come and work for me. You work in finance. I've got a financial job open at the clerk of courts. You would be perfect. The young man lived in Iowa. He happened to be related to my son-in-law and I thought, wouldn't it be great if my son-in-law had his brother living here in Cincinnati. I know what you're thinking, because it's probably exactly what I was thinking um, as I was driving here that Sunday morning. I thought, how manipulative, how manipulative. I mean, you know, sure, my heart was in the right place. I wanted my son-in-law to have his family around him. I knew that he would be happy, but I really manipulated that situation and I was feeling guilt, and I was feeling shame, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I did that. And I've never thought that before. You know, this has been six years since I lost the election. I never thought, oh, wow, that was, that was such a mistake. Um, so I come, I'm working up in the tech booth, and John Becker, um, playing the guitar here, anyway, He's the boss of me when I'm up there. And so he's up there bossing me around. He's being lovely and, and explaining, well, Tracy, gently telling me what to do. Um, and as he left to come down the stairs, I said, I love you, buddy. I love you, buddy. And he said to me, your family has made such a difference in my life. And I'm like, what the heck? And he said, well, if you hadn't hired John Bauman, this is the young man from Iowa who came here to work is the, at, at the clerk's office, if you hadn't hired John Bauman, and I want to say to you that in the probably at least five years, nobody has said that name to me. Nobody has said that name to me. And I'm driving on the way thinking, shame on you, Tracy, shame, 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 shame. And he brings it up. What the heck? What the heck? First of all, I thought, oh my gosh, God loves me. Um, <laughs> but he said, if it hadn't been for the fact that you hired John Bauman, John Bauman wouldn't have lost his job. And because John Bauman lost his job, John Bauman started his own business. And because he started his own business, he hired your nephew, Grant, who then started his own painting business, and because Grant started his own painting business, I now work for Grant, and, you know, I love my job, 
I love my job. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I would never have seen that connection in a million years. I would never have thought that there was something good that came out of what had happened. Um, did I go about it in the right way? Probably not, but God brings beauty. God brings beauty. Yeah, so, so good. So, so good. You know, I was in the thick of it when I was thinking about all of the shame um, that, that went with that. But God lifted me out of it. Yeah. In Romans 8.28, the verses say, And we know that in all things, God works for the good. And it doesn't just stop there. I know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. You know, there's a promise there. God does work for our good if we're the people that love him, right? <laughs> Do you love him? Do you love him? Yeah, yeah. I love him. I love him. And we know that all things work for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Yeah. So I, preparing for teaching, I come across the book of Ruth. And I think that this is a perfect picture of what I'm talking about. Perfect picture. So I'm going to do this. Um, we're not going to put the whole book of Ruth up there. It's only four chapters. I mean, I guess I could have done it. Um, but this is the book of Ruth paraphrased by Tracy. So, in Ruth 1, once upon a time, there was a famine in the land. So Elimelech, a man from Bethlehem, took his family to live in Moab. Moab. Unfortunately, Elimelech died, and his wife Naomi was left with just her two sons. The sons married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other named Ruth. Ten years later, the sons died too. Naomi was left with only her daughters-in-law. Naomi was in the thick of it. Then Naomi heard that God provided food to Bethlehem, so she and her daughters-in-laws prepared to return home. They left Moab, set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Naomi begged her two daughters-in-law to go back, go back to your own homes. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown me kindness and kindness to your dead husbands. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. But Orpah and Ruth insisted on staying with Naomi. But Naomi insisted that they go home. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. I was listening to this, uh, to a message, and uh, it was Stephen Furtick who said, um, there's a reason it's not called the Book of Orpah. She took off. <laughs> she went back. But Ruth stayed. Ruth chose Ruth chose to follow Naomi. Hmm. She didn't know where they were going. She didn't know what would happen. But she chose to follow. 
Do you choose to follow God? Do you choose to follow Jesus? <laughs> Even though you don't know. You don't know the end of the story. You don't know what's going to happen. Do you choose? Do you choose him? No. Ruth chose Naomi. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Now Naomi and Ruth went to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the people exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi. Don't call me Naomi. Naomi, which means pleasant and comforting. She told them, call me Mara because God has made my life bitter. Don't even call me Naomi. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back, back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Naomi seemed to be stuck in the thick of it. On to Ruth chapter 2. They get shorter than the first one, by the way. Because Naomi and Ruth needed to eat, we see Ruth gleaning scraps of barley at the property of a man named Boaz, who was a relative of her deceased father-in-law. Boaz takes notice of Ruth, probably because she was super hot, and he says to the overseers, who is that woman? When he finds out that she's Naomi's daughter-in-law, he tells her that she can gather grain and drink water and that no harm will come to her. Hmm. She had found favor with Boaz because he had heard how good she was to Naomi. In Ruth chapter 3, Naomi gives instructions to Ruth to lay at the feet of Boaz. They need, they need somebody to take care of them. Women just couldn't survive on their own. And they needed this kinsman redeemer, and that's who Boaz was. And they needed him. And so Ruth gives her instructions, go lay at his feet. And in the middle of the night, Boaz wakes up, startled, sees Naomi laying there. And she says, you are my kinsman redeemer. And he chooses that job. There's a little more to the story. I encourage you to read all of Ruth and not Tracy's version. So, in Ruth chapter 4, Boaz takes Ruth as his wife. Ruth becomes pregnant, and she had a son. Here's the vital part of the story, and this is from Ruth chapter 4, verses 16 through 17. Here's where we veer from Tracy's version. Then Naomi took the child in her arms, and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Does anybody know why that's important? 
If you don't, you're going to find out. You're going to find out. This is the lineage of Jesus, and this is from Matthew, the book of Matthew. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, because that would take way too long. But Matthew, um, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. In the very end of this, um, this paragraph, in chapter, or verse 16, it says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Okay, so let's just think about this. Let's think about if Elimelech had survived. Let's think about if the sons had survived. What would have happened if probably either of those things had happened? Ruth would never have ended up with Boaz. <laughs> you know, this needed to happen. This needed to happen. But in the thick of it, when Naomi was in the thick of it, she didn't know what was happening. She didn't know that she was serving a purpose. She didn't know the beauty was going to come from all of her pain. But this had to happen. This is the lineage of Jesus. This is the lineage of Jesus. Boaz and Ruth had to get married. And they had to have Obed for everything to fall into place. Hmm. You know, the past two years, I brought tissues for this part. You know, you know how I am when I teach. So... I do cry sometimes. The past two years of our family's life, lives have been turned upside down. We are in the thick of it. We are in the thick of it right now. Some days you're just like, oh my gosh, I can't, you know, I just don't want to get out of bed. <laughs> you want to cover your, cover your head and just say, I don't, want to, I don't want to face the day. So they've been hard. At the beginning of 2021, our daughter Andrea informed us that she was getting a divorce. In a family where divorce is rare, super rare, um, we were all just in a state of shock. Almost all of us started to see a counselor immediately. Yeah. Here's something that I did at that time. <laughs> I mean, there was just so much crud going on, and our, our youngest daughter was having problems in her marriage, we found out through that, and um, she was seeing a counselor, and it was just such a, such a crazy mess. It was hard to watch our children go through what they were going through. I prayed privately a pretty particularly bold prayer. I asked God to bring all the garbage to the surface. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, sorry, Allison. <laughs> sorry that I did that. Um, yeah, oh my gosh. It wasn't long after that that my um, youngest daughter said that she was getting divorced. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what the heck happened? What the heck happened? I was certain that there would be breakthrough. I was certain that things were, would get cleaned up. But we are still in the thick of it. We were in the thick of it then, in 2021. 2022, we're still in the thick of it. And in 2022, we get, bam, Pastor Ryan, who happens to be my son-in-law, he gets hit with mental health issues, depression, so many things that maybe we're building up, I don't know, but it came to the surface. God answered my prayer. <laughs> God answered my prayer. We're not through it. We're not through it. We are in the middle of it. I hope, I hope and pray that I'm going to see the beauty in my lifetime. But I might not. I might not. But I am trusting God in the thick of it. In the thick of it. Yeah. So this message is for all you people out there that are in the thick of it. Yeah. God will make a way. God will make a way. This verse is worth repeating. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. That's you guys. He works for your good. He's always working for your good. Yeah. I'm going to pray for you guys right now. I know that there are people, you know, I mentioned divorce. There are probably people who are going through that right now. Yeah, people may be going through problems with their jobs, um, relationship problems. Hello. You guys, I know, a lot of you are in the thick of it. So I'm going to pray for you right now. So Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Father God, Father God, help us to remember that you are always working for our good. Even when we can't see it, you bring beauty from ashes. I declare a supernatural trust for everyone listening to this message. I pray that they would remember Naomi, who because she loved God, had her family restored, giving us our precious Savior. Thank you, God. Praise be restoration, health, yeah. Thank you, God. I pray all of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming today. We have a prayer team over here. Appreciate you being here. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.